All right, we have been studying in the book of Jonah. You can find your place there in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. But also, please find your place in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 12. I uh, just want to read a little bit of that together in Matthew chapter 12 as we begin. But as you're finding your place in Jonah and Matthew 12, let me just start by saying um, the book of Jonah is meant to give us more than just a childhood bedtime story that we tell our children, uh, a story that um, kids all over the world really know. Um, it's more than just having some some pithy, moralistic statement that you would make, something like, uh, do what God says or life gets fishy, something like that. The book of Jonah is bigger and better than, than little silly hashtags uh, and, and silly thoughts about a man in the belly of a fish. It's much bigger than that. It's actually meant for the same purpose that all of Scripture is given. All of the Scriptures ultimately point toward God as our rescuer and specifically toward Jesus Christ. So today my goal with this message is very simple. What I want us to do is see the gospel, the good news of Jesus, according to the book of Jonah. How does Jonah point us to Christ? I don't just want us to see it. I don't just want to give you a lot of information today. I actually want to equip you with a gospel message that's very simple. I love that we just sang that song. I rejoice in the simple gospel. I want you to walk out of here um, ready to share what is the good news? What is the gospel according to Jonah? How does Jonah tell us about God and God, the nature of God, the character of God? In this book, we see God as holy, that he will not tolerate sin. We see God as just. We see God as merciful, as compassionate, as gentle, as patient. These are, these are characteristics and attributes of God that we see very clearly through Jonah. I want us to look and see what Jesus says about this book in particular. So, um, as Tucker mentioned, we stand in honor of God's Word. I know you just got seated. But would you take your place in Matthew chapter 12 at the end of Matthew 12 and just stand with me. I'm just going to read a few verses. But I want us to see what Jesus says. Matthew 12 verse 38 through 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Lord, today, help us to lock in on your words, Jesus, when you said something greater, someone greater than Jonah is here. Lord, help us to lock in and see how Jonah points to Christ. The the deficiencies of Jonah point to the, the fullness of Jesus. The shortfalls and shortcomings point to the success uh, and, and, and completed work of Christ. 
Lord, help us to see the beauty of a simple gospel in the book of Jonah. Walk away equipped, encouraged and equipped by this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So the gospel message of hope is meant for you. I feel like a lot of times when we talk about the gospel in church settings, um, those of us who are Christians who, who have come to faith in Christ, we tend to kind of switch it off. We think, well, I've got that. Um, you know, I was looking for something else, but I've got, I've got that. Salvation, I'm, I'm, I'm taken care of. And what I want to tell you is the gospel isn't just for the unbeliever. It's for all of us. Um, the gospel is not just the, the beginning point of the Christian race. It's actually the race itself. It's the belief and trust in the gospel is the, the deepest thing you need today. And that's for all of us. You need to hear and believe the good news. And I want to give you a sentence today that I think Jonah teaches us about the gospel. So I'm going to give you a sentence that you can fill in those blanks if you've got the, the, the uh, sermon notes with you. But here they are. Here's the statement. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. I think this is the gospel message that Jonah's book teaches, and it's the gospel message of the whole book. Now, if we were to take... Um, I was talking to a friend this week, and um, I think we've, we've decided... That we, what we want to do is, with every book in the Old Testament, we want to come up with a statement, a gospel statement, from the story of that text. Uh, so that's one of our goals, is just as we're reading the Old Testament, to, to uh, come up with a statement like this from Jonah. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Now that message, that gospel message is for all of us, because we are all bad people. I don't know if you know that or not, but we're all bad people. And the foot of the, the, the ground at the cross is level ground, right? Everybody comes to Jesus needy. Everybody. If you don't come needy, you don't come. You don't come to a Savior if you don't need rescuing. But all of us come needy. The crazy thing is this was the struggle for Jonah. This was his struggle. He didn't think he needed God, at least not as much as they did, Right? And last week we talked about his mentality. Chapter 4 exposes Jonah's heart that he actually thought those people, um, they're the bad ones. I'm, I'm not the bad one. They're the bad ones. And God, it, through his sovereign will, gives us a, a great little book here to reveal mm, that's not true. We all are like Jonah or like Nineveh or both. So this struggle was real for Jonah. He couldn't understand how he could, how God could forgive and accept the Ninevites. That's the good news, is that we have a God who has made a way through Jesus for us to be made right with God. That's the gospel. So none of us, let me say it this way, all of us need mercy and none of us deserve it. But here's the good news. None of us is out of reach of the merciful hand of God. Isn't that good? None of us is out of reach. That's one of the beautiful things of the story of Jonah. So let me just refresh your memory. Um, uh, I'm going to see if we can do this in 60 seconds. I'm going to walk through the whole book. 
In chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh. It's a city filled with murderers and terrorists. Jonah decides he doesn't want to go. He goes the other way. He jumps on board a ship to go the wrong direction. God sends a storm, almost destroys the boat. The sailors on board the boat decide the best plan of action is to throw Jonah over. He's the problem. Let's get rid of him. So they throw him overboard. Jonah is sinking. God sends a fish Huge fish. And this is the part of the story everybody remembers. But a fish swallows Jonah up. In chapter 2, Jonah from the belly of the fish prays a prayer acknowledging that this fish is actually God's salvation. It's the way that God kept him alive. And in the belly of the fish, he repents and says, God, I'll do what you've told me to do. And he says this great line, salvation belongs to God. And in chapter 3, God spits him, the whale spits him out on land and God comes to him with the same command. Go to Nineveh, tell them the message that I give to you. And Jonah goes. And he preaches a very short message. He says, in 40 days you'll all be destroyed. And to his surprise, every person in the city, from the king to the peasant, all of them repent. They all tear their clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes. The king issues a decree that we're going to fast. No one's going to eat. Don't even feed your animals. We're going to fast and beg and cry out to God. Maybe he will not destroy us. In the end of chapter 3, God relents from his anger. He sees their repentance, repentant heart and he decides not to destroy the city. Well, chapter 4 is really unusual because the prophet Jonah is angry. He's angry. And next week, we're beginning a series on emotions. We had a silly video. Thank you, Sarah, for that. Sarah sent me that this week, and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, all the ways that we feel uh, like we're in a, in, a, in a cage of emotion. And what we see with Jonah is that his emotion is actually like a smoke signal that indicates a broken heart. That emotion of anger that comes up is actually revealing something much deeper. So that's how we'll be addressing over the next few weeks some broken emotions that reveal um, wounded or broken hearts. So the gospel speaks to that. I hope you'll engage with us over the next few weeks. But Jonah 4 shows that he has a heart that's evil. It's broken. Because he's angry that God forgave Nineveh. Well, in chapter 4, God deals, he's dealt with Nineveh, now he deals with Jonah's heart. So what we see from this story is several things. I'm just going to walk through this with you, um, just like I did uh, with, with the guys in the jail on Friday. I want you to walk out equipped with this message, alright? Everybody hold your hand up like this. You can put your thumb down because you only need four fingers. You ready? Alright, put them down, here we go. Bad people, say it. Bad people. Can be made right. With a good God through Jesus Christ. Let's do it again. You ready? Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. One more time because you need to remember this, right? Here we go. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel according to Jonah. And number one, we're talking about bad people. Let me tell you what, was, what Jonah was so surprised by is that he's one of them. And that's what chapter 4 shows us. It's not just the murderous terrorists of Nineveh that are bad, 
But chapter 4 shows us that deep down within Jonah's heart, he's bad. You know, every, um, every superhero movie in, in our culture that we love, the Superman, the Spider-Man, all of those superhero stories operate on a plot that's based on this, this thesis. That there is a bad something out there that the good hero in here can rise up and conquer. And the, the stark reality is that's just the inverse of the gospel. The inverse of the gospel is this, that there's a bad problem in here that a good hero out there can come and conquer. And that's exactly what happened. It's not that some good from within you needs to go and tackle uh, the evil outside of you. See, the problem that Jonah realized that we've all got to realize is that the evil is actually inside of us. We are actually broken at the core. And it's not that we're good people who sometimes do bad things. It's that we're actually bad people. We're actually broken from birth. The Bible says um, in sin you were conceived. That's the way we begin. It's because of the fall. Adam and Eve fell in the garden and every human being ever since is born into this problem. And then it, it comes out of us. We live it like there's none of us in this room who have not sinned. We are bad people. Nineveh was a bad people for sure. Jonah, we see in chapter four and chapter one, was a bad person. Romans chapter three says all are bad people. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So this is a problem. We have a major problem. How then, and this is the big question that, that Jonah seeks to answer, how then can bad people be made right with God? Well, let's, let's find out. What does it mean to be made right? That's number two. What's it mean to be made right? Well, the, the reality is that Sin requires payment. Sin is an offense against God. I don't know if you've seen this illustration. I may have shared it before, but um, when we sin, it's an offense against God Almighty. So we're tempted to think sometimes that, um, that when we mess up, it's, it's, really, it's really not that big of a deal. But I want you to think about how the sin and the punishment for the sin must be related to whom it's against, right? So um, if I walked over to my friend Ryan here and just slapped him in the face, that'd be bad, right? He might be angry. He might send me a nasty email. Who knows, right? There would be some consequence to that. Um, but the friendship's probably, it's, it'll, it'll survive, I hope. If... Uh, I walk out and, and slap a police officer. A little different, right? The offense and the punishment uh, is a little bit different depending on who I've offended. If I go down to Montgomery and slap Governor Ivy, <laughs> that would be terrible. And the offense would be a little bit, well, a lot different, right? If I went to Washington, D.C. and slapped President Trump, I'd be in a lot of trouble. You'd probably never see me again. Now, how much greater when we slap the face of Almighty God? 
So the punishment of sin is related, directly related to the one whom we have offended. And so while we tend to belittle um, the, the weight of our sin, it's not little to God. Whether you've told a white lie or um, like Nineveh have been a terrorist, the offense is, is against God Almighty. And from the very beginning, God's prescription, His remedy for sin has been death. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, immediately they felt their shame and they saw their nakedness. Do you remember how they tried to cover their bodies? Anybody remember what did they use? Fig leaves. You know fig leaves are itchy, right? (laughs) Even then we couldn't get that right. (laughs) I imagine that was itchy. So uh, they, uh, they tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. What did God cover their nakedness with? The skins of animals. How do you get the skin off of an animal? Death. From the very beginning, God's prescription and His fix, His resolution or His rescue from our sin, from the shame of it and the guilt of it, has always been death. And specifically in the New Testament, well, the Old Testament, he prescribes a whole system of sacrifice where the, an animal has to be killed in the place of human sin. There was this substitution aspect. They actually have, we've talked about it before, a thing called the Day of Atonement. And just so you know, the word atone means to cover. It's this idea of covering your sin, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. The problem was the covering was insufficient. That covering only covered the sins of the past. And the moment you walk out and curse your wife or yell at your children or whatever it may be, oh, you're in trouble again. And the coverings of an old covenant are are not sufficient. All they do, they in some light, they point to um, how God is trying to make right our sin. But they definitely point to the need for a greater sacrifice. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that his death wasn't something that has to happen over and over. And every year we have to have this blood sacrifice. The death of Jesus, the book of Hebrews says, speaks a better word. It speaks not just it's covered, but it is finished. Not just uh, this will do for now, but this is done for good. And the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus' death was once for all. That's the beauty of the gospel is that God has done everything needed to make you right with him. We needed a better sacrifice and Jesus came. I was telling the, the guys in jail on Friday I was like, guys, you're all here because we have this thing within us that just it needs to be an offense needs to be made right. That's the reason you're here. You're serving time to make right whatever it was you did wrong. And the the beauty of the gospel is that everything needed to make you right with God has been done. I don't know if you guys got that. Everything needed to make you right with God has been done. 
That's what it means to rest in a simple gospel. I rejoice in a simple gospel. I'm laying down all my religion. All those little things that I think I need to do. God says, no, no, no. Done. You trust in me. You trust in my son. Done. See, Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what he's done. That's the beauty of the gospel message is that Jesus can make us right with God. Number three, he's not just any God. He's a good God. Good God. Bad people can be made right with a good God. I want to give you one little premise and then I'll walk through these three things that I think Jonah specifically tells us about God. Um, I was talking with the, the guys in jail Friday and just asked them this question. I said, if, if, you, um, if you committed a murder and you stood before the judge and everybody in the room knows you're guilty, you know you're guilty, everybody knows you're guilty, but the judge looks at you and says, we're going to pretend this didn't happen. We're just going to you know, sweep this under the rug and let you go. Ask these inmates. This is a different group of guys, but I asked them, said, would, would that judge be a good judge? And again, bit of a pause. And then around the room, no, that's a bad judge. God is a good judge. He will not sweep our sins under the rug. He doesn't pretend that they don't happen. He just deals with sin decisively in Jesus. Decisively and completely. He's a good, good God. What would it be like to have an all-powerful God who's not all good? Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? To have a God who's all-powerful but not good. We thank God that our, our God is not only all-powerful, but He is all-good. A few things that Jonah shows us as we walk through that book, and we've been there for, uh, this is week five, is it shows us these, these three things. We see God as pursuer. From chapter one, Jonah runs and God pursues. He seeks him with a storm. He sends a captain down into the bottom of the boat, and then ultimately he sends a fish. Then in chapter 4, Jonah's heart goes wayward again and we see God um, send him a little um, tree to give him shade, a worm to sort of provoke his heart, and then an east wind to sort of pull it all to the surface. God is pursuing. Then we look at Nineveh. From Nineveh's perspective, we've got an unreached people group who are just doing their own thing. They're ignorant to all the things of God and they don't don't care. They're just going to do what they want to do. And God is pursuing them. He's relentless in sending Jonah to this unreached people. Won't let Jonah go away. I've got to to get the gospel to Nineveh. God is a, a pursuer. He cares. And in the same way, He came for you and me. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He sent Jesus for you and for me. In this is love. It's what John, 1 John 4, 7 through 11 says that God sent Jesus to be the propitiation. 
the substitutionary sacrifice for you and me. God as pursuer. Secondly, we see God as powerful. All through the book of Jonah, we see God's not out of control. The circumstances seen him out of control, but God is constantly, he uses this word, God appointed a storm. Or God hurled a storm. God appointed a fish. God appointed a plant. And we have this idea that God is sovereignly in control, even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience and Jonah's rebellious heart. God is sovereignly in control. He's powerful. And thirdly, we have God as patient and merciful. From Jonah's own words in chapter 2, or chapter 3 rather, uh, in verse, I think it's 5. I'm wrong. It's chapter 4. This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God. You are merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. These are things that we see about God through the book of Jonah, that he is patient, merciful, both to Jonah and to Nineveh. Uh, Luke chapter 15 tells the story of three, three parables. You got the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the last parable is the parable of the lost son. We know it as the story of the prodigal son. How many of you, show of hands, are you familiar with the story of the prodigal son? All right. Um, in Luke 15, very fast summary. Here's what happens. Um, the younger son comes to his father, says, I want my inheritance now. Give it to me. Father reluctantly gives it to him and he bolts. He heads to the big city, uh, lives a life of uh, sin and just living it up until he goes bankrupt. Finds himself working in a pig pen, realizes this is a terrible life I've chosen, and uh, comes to his senses, repents of his sin. On his way back to his father, he's sort of rehearsing a prayer, a, a, a statement of remorse, and he's, he's thinking, okay, Dad, I, I know I don't deserve to be one of your sons anymore. Please forgive me. Just let me be a servant. Let me just be a servant. And as he's coming, what happens? The father runs to the son who's on his way back, greets him, takes his robe, puts his robe on him, ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf, we're having a party. My son who was lost has now come home. When they get home, they're throwing the party. There's another son, the older brother. He's been out in the field working all day, which is what he's done all his life. He's been working for dad all his life. When he comes home, he hears the music, sees the party. What's going on? He gets back to the house. They're throwing a party for the brother who left town. Resentment builds up in his heart. He can't believe they throw a party for that one. They didn't throw no party for me. Dad comes out on the front porch. Son, come in and celebrate with us. Your, your brother who was gone has come home. And the older son says to his father, I've been working for you all these years. You've never thrown me a party like this. There's lots of envy and bitterness. And the father pleads with him, just come inside. I'm not coming in. Come inside and celebrate. This is a reason to celebrate your brother. What we have here in Jonah is actually a picture of the prodigal son. And Jonah plays the part of both brothers. I don't know if you see it. 
But in chapters 1 and 2, he's the prodigal. He's the son who decides he wants to take the father's blessings. You know, I've got, I've, I've got a relationship with God. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to bolt and live my own way. In chapter 2, he repents and comes back to the father. Chapters 3 and 4, you actually see Jonah playing the part of the older brother. Because now Nineveh has repented and Jonah, the older brother, doesn't want to come in and party. He's mad that God would throw a party for those people. It's the character of the father that we see in the prodigal son story is the same character that we see in Jonah is that we have a God who is patient, merciful, and kind. Undeserving prodigal son receives a party. Undeserving Pharisee type son is Pleaded, please come inside, celebrate with us. No. We see that we have a good God. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. I want to finish up this way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. In John 14, 6, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the harsh reality that is a reality is the only way to God, the Father, is through His Son, Jesus. Now there are probably a lot of people out there that say, well, that's pretty narrow-minded, isn't it? I want to choose my own way. I'd like to go, I'd like, I'm going to get to God. I'm just going to go this other direction. I'm going to, I'm going to get to God this way. Um, That's not how it works. And yes, it's narrow minded, but here's the reality is that there is, grace is this. God made a way at all. Why does God have to make a way? Why doesn't he just destroy us all? God is merciful and gracious enough that He sent His only Son to be the way. He sent His Son to suffer and die and be the one to die in your place and my place, to raise from the dead and then to say, anyone who puts their faith in Me can be made right with holy God. God has made a way for any and all sinner to be forgiven. That's the beauty of the gospel. But the only way is through Jesus. You see, we need a substitute. We need a substitute. There is no other substitute other than Christ. I had a conversation this week with a Muslim man and we were talking and he said, well, I I actually, I think Jesus is, is good, but I actually prefer Muhammad. And I said, did Muhammad die for you? The reality is no. Only Jesus has died for you. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, gives us this beautiful reality that Christ, sinless Christ, has taken on your sins and my sins and, and offers to us The righteousness of God. Listen to these words. For our sake. 
He, meaning God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen to that exchange. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. There's no other way in the world like this. You know, in the day of Noah, the wickedness of the earth had risen up to God. The wickedness of all the... The Bible said that all the thoughts of man's heart were evil. And God wanted to destroy the earth. And ultimately He did, but He spared um, Noah and his family. Let me ask you something. How many arks were built? Only one. There was only one way of salvation. And Noah, as he built the ark for over a hundred years, he spent building this huge boat in his backyard. He built this huge boat preaching a gospel that judgment is coming for over a hundred years. Get on the boat. God gave one boat. And in the same way, God sent one way of salvation. His name's Jesus Christ. You can't save yourself. You have to come needy to Jesus. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Nineveh needed salvation and God came to them. Jonah was sent by God to the unreached, but he wasn't believing the gospel himself. And God came to him. This morning, we're one of the other. You are either, like Nineveh, lost in your sin, desperately needing to hear the gospel. And if that's you, I want to tell you, you can be made right with God. Doesn't matter what you've done. Only thing that matters is what he's done. And from the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. You, no matter what you've done, can be made right with a holy God. Maybe you're more like Jonah. Maybe you're a believer, a follower of Christ. You've trusted in Jesus to save you from your sin. But just like Jonah, there's still, there's still some evil deep within. And what I want to tell you, the solution for that is this. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news that God loves everyone and wants everyone to come to faith in Jesus. Believe the gospel. Be transformed by the power of the gospel. It's very simple, really. It's a simple gospel. So here's the good news. Everybody's hands up. You ready? With me. Bad people. Come on, say it with me. Ready? Bad people can be made right. You got it. You got it. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ.